Hello friends, and welcome to Anything Goes. And hello to all of you new listeners just tuning in for the first time. I'm your host, Joseph Guzman, and I'm so glad to have you all here. Hello to all of you all over the world tuning in. Let's jump into today's episode. What do you say? Hello friends, welcome back to Anything Goes. You know who I am, but for those of you who are new, I'm Joseph Guzman. Uh, And for the foreseeable future, I will be the one host you'll have. Maybe one day I'll have a co-host. It would be nice to get one in because then I can have someone else do some of the talking. (laughs) Uh, Nonetheless, friends, it is always good to have you here. Wanted to take a quick moment to celebrate a milestone in the podcast. This episode marks episode 81, which means we have now passed 80 episodes, 8-0, or 10 times 8 episodes. I had no thought that I would ever be producing episodes in a podcast, and I never thought I would go this far, Uh, but here I am. Certainly didn't think I would have a crowd listening all over the world. Northern, Southern Hemisphere, Eastern, Western Hemisphere. Um, It's amazing. Uh, And so, yeah, I just wanted to take a moment to to address that. Um, In this episode, we're going to continue with what I started with on the last one. So if you haven't listened to the last one, I might encourage you to start there so you can really kind of follow along with the whole thing here. Um, But nevertheless, we're going to jump back in. On the last one, I talked about a um, story in history from 1665 about the plague, uh, and that was in England. Now, there are several I found that were in England. I'm not going to go through them all because it is a lot of them, but I will cover one more just because there are several. Uh, And so, without further ado, let's jump into it, shall we? So this one is looking at protection from the plague and some of the myths and discussions around that. Lupton, in his Notable Things, um, tells us it is certainly and constantly affirmed that on Midsummer Eve there is found under the roof of Mugwort a coal which saves or keeps them safe from the plague. Carbuncle, lightning, the quartan egg, or og, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, A-G-U-E. And from burning, that bear the same about them. And Misaldus, or Misaldus, the writer hereof, saith that he doth hear that it is to be found the same day under the root of plantain, which I know to be of truth, for I have found them the same day under the root of plantain, which is especially and chiefly to be found at noon. In Natural and Artificial Conclusions by Thomas Hill, which was in 1650, 
we read, The virtue of a rare coal that is to be found but one hour in the day and one day in the year. Diverse authors, he adds, affirm confirming the verity and virtue of this coal, that it is only to be found upon Midsummer Eve, just at noon, under every root of plantain and of mugwort, the effects whereof are wonderful, for whosoever weareth or beareth the same about the, with the, about with them shall be freed from the plague, fever, ague, or og, and sundry other diseases. And one author especially writeth, and constantly avereth, that he never knew any that used to carry of this marvelous coal about them, who ever were, to his knowledge, sick of the plague, or indeed complained of any other malady. Now, I'm no expert of Old English, so sorry if I'm getting some things wrong there. <laughs> uh, I'm only familiar with it a bit from having read the King James kind of translation, and so seeing the thou, the, and that sort of stuff, or hearing it from medieval movies and things like that. Nonetheless, so in this one we see this idea that having uh, whatever the coal is, because it was C-O-L-E, whatever this thing is, right, this object, this tincture, this plant thing, um, that anyone who carried it, carried it, that's it, they just had to carry it upon themselves, um, was protected from the plague, or as it says here, right, that anyone who carried it um, was free from the plague, uh, or any other malady. Now, in the Western times here in the U.S., back in the good old Western days, not that I would say it was necessarily good, um, but it is old. <laughs> um, we see this idea, you see it in movies sometimes about like these snake oil salesmen, right? These people who will try to sell you these tinctures that really don't do anything and in fact could actually harm you. Uh, but they're playing off of the fears of people for their own gain. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that people that do that now are always trying to play off of people's fear for their own gain. I think some people actually believe it and want other people to go that way. It's, you know, it's like proselytizing, but proselytizing a thing, right? Instead of a belief system. Um... And so it's interesting to see this being the case. Now, have we seen that at all in like the COVID-19 pandemic times? Sorry for the noise. I'm in a chair in my office. Um, despite oiling it, it still squeaks and creaks. So sorry about that, friends. And you may hear squeaks. I do have a cat that's decided to wander in and say hello. Nevertheless. Uh, so I... I have seen something similar to that in some way. Um, I haven't really come across anyone that's been trying to get me to use some sort of natural thing that I carry around with myself. But what I have seen is kind of the modern sense of it in some ways, where this idea of like 
if you use the right mixture or the right kinds of essential oils that it will um, have some sort of power to just heal you from anything if you just get the right mixture of oils and don't get me wrong um, I have seen the effect in some ways with essential oils uh, I have found some uh, I, I guess it would be the right way to say it some psychosomatic effects some uh, something like that of stress relief because it's a pleasant smell and because it's pleasant it triggers pleasant thoughts pleasant memories in my head and therefore it puts me in a state where I may feel more at ease um, with headaches I have tried doing the peppermint oil thing stuff like that right and I have found it to be somewhat effective I will say peppermint oil has been effective uh, to um, get my sinuses to start opening up a little more but it is rather intense <laughs> now I do hear that lavender oil can be useful for trying to help people to sleep and maybe so for the simple fact that if it's a pleasant scent it again right it makes you feel pleasant right it's some sort of a placebo effect or so psychosomatic sort of thing that's going on perhaps um, but yeah so I have heard of something like that with like the oils um, I, I know that there's been for a lot of different things people talk about certain crystals that might um, protect you from things or whatnot and I'm not here to bash anyone's particular views if that's what you view then that's what you view I'm just simply looking at what I see as parallels to that time and now um, so yeah I mean there's a litany of things it can be people who say hey if you eat these foods you will protect yourself, right? If you, I don't know, it could be anything, right? If you wear this kind of fabric, it's resistant to, I don't know, COVID. If you sit in a space where you're surrounded by sounds at this particular frequency, it will protect you over the day or, or whatever, right? The fact of the matter is, the, the critical structure behind it is still there from 1650 to now which is we're trying to figure out how to make or we're trying to make sense of uh, a, uh, an issue a situation that we don't know how to make sense of entirely or we're limited in our understanding of and so we lean on what we know and since we already know our brains want us to be right and we'll find ways to prove us right even if it's not good or accurate um, we will do what we can. And then there's the other aspect of it, right? And I think this is something I haven't addressed yet. And that is income, right? If you are, not just if you've not had the opportunity to have exposure to good education and, um, and knowledge, good information, the other part of it is income. And this is where I understand some of the argument for like universal healthcare, that sort of idea. Because... Uh, a lot of people may not have the money to get the care that they need, and unless it's provided, then what choice do they have? They have to go with what they have available to them. And that means, you know, if someone's like, hey, you know what, you can try this natural remedy and it'll work, they're going to try it, because what other option do they have, right? So it's something to keep in mind with that as well. So I, I say those things simply so that people understand. As I'm talking about these, I'm really just trying to understand the parallels and some of the psychology that may seem similar here 
I'm really not trying to bash anyone for having a particular view. I may or may not agree, and you may or may not agree. But as we all know here, right, that's the idea. We want people to have discussion in a respectful way uh, because the idea is if we come at it from, from a approach of wanting to understand better and keeping an open mind to say, hey, this is why I believe what I believe, but I'm willing to hear you and consider it um, without, you know, being like, well, you're a big poo-poo head or whatever, right? Now, I'm being nice and using that phrase instead of what other people might say. Uh, but still, that's kind of what I'm looking at. So jumping from England, uh, I'm going to jump over, we're still in the UK area, but I'm jumping down, I believe that would be south, uh, to Wales. And here's one that's out of Wales that I found interesting. In an ancient, uh, Ms., I guess is how you would say it, it says MS by Llewellyn Sion of Lang. I don't speak Welsh, so I'm probably going to mess this up, sorry. Uh, Langewid, L-L-A-N-G-E-W-Y-D-D. Sorry if I butchered it, I don't speak Welsh. <laughs> uh, there is mention of a frightful monster called the Fad Felon, or Fad Felon, I'm not sure how you'd say it, which was seen through the keyhole of Ross Church by Mel... Melguin Gwynid M-A-E-L-G-W-N G-W-Y-N-E-D-D who died in consequence. This monster was predicted in a poem by Talisian T-A-L-I-E-S-I-N as a strange creature which should come from the sea marsh with hair and teeth and eyes like gold. The yellow fever plague, which raged in Wales during some five years in the 6th century, is the monster referred to in this legend. Now this one, again, you see this, right? We've seen it in the kind of more Viking lands, I'm going to say, right? Um, we saw these ideas like the people that look like clouds and then they're flying above the houses and deciding where they're going to stop or the coffin that appears and moves on its own and can go into houses and cause plague and what have you. Um, we see this similar storyline of something to blame, some entity that's ethereal, that's mystical, that's otherworldly, um, that is to blame. And I think that brings up another useful point, which is when something's going on, it, it seems to me that it is the nature of humanity to want to find someone or something to blame. Uh, but what I don't see a lot of times... Ooh, sorry about that. All of a sudden, my internet decided to be weird. <laughs> uh, nonetheless, what I saw there with that is that there was this... Um, this issue, right, where people want to take these things and, and find something to blame, someone to blame, to make it make more sense for them. And that is a common thing we see even now. And, and I think really that's something we see with conspiracies in general, is that uh, conspiracies oftentimes are looking for someone to blame. 
And that someone can be the Illuminati, the Bilderbergs, the, um, the elite, I don't know, what's the one with Pizzagate? Uh, elite political leaders and celebrities that are Satan-worshipping baby sacrificers that drink baby's blood. and It just, it gets crazy, right? There's all this stuff. But you get all of these things that occur, right? And why? What, what, what's the motivation? They're looking for someone to blame. Because someone has to blame for it, right? Someone has to take the fall. It, it's the nature, it seems, of humanity to want to find someone or something to blame. Even if it doesn't make sense. And I think that's what we see even in this narrative. And with that said, friends, um, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back for the next. Hey, friends, just wanted to take a quick minute to let you know and remind you this podcast needs support. Uh, so, how are a few ways you can support it? Uh, well, one, you can go to anchor.fm forward slash Joseph, J-O-S-E-P-H hyphen Guzman, G-U-Z-M-A-N hyphen M-A. There you can click on that support button and you can become a monthly supporter of the podcast for 99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. This is a monthly recurring, and so you can set it and forget it, as Ronco would say. Uh, and that really would be a great help for me to continue to grow this podcast and expand it out, to build out website. Uh, to be able to eventually hire some people on to manage some of these things for me, because uh, for those of you, if you've ever tried to do a podcast, it is a lot of work to create the content, to refine the content down, to produce and record and edit and upload and get everything scheduled out for podcasting. It's a lot of work. Uh, and so... Um, in order for me to be able to do this a little more easily, finances helps. Beyond that, another way you can help is to share this. Share the podcast link on your social media. Uh, share it with friends. You can text the link to friends, whatever. Uh, if you share it on social media, I do ask that you do me a couple of favors. One, please make sure, make sure that you mention... Uh, the link so that people can actually go and click on it and listen in. And two, uh, make sure to use the hashtag AnythingGoesPodcast. That would really help me out in getting the message out about the show and help me to have more uh, growth in the community. And as we have more increase in funding, then I can open up website and start doing other things and bring people on. Anyways, I'm going to shut up now so we can get back to the show, which is really what you want to hear. So, let's get back to that. Alright, friends. Welcome back. So, going from England, we're now going to go 
or not from England, from Wales. We're going to jump past England up north in the UK to Scotland. And there we're going to look at a, a myth that arose about plagues, pandemics um, in Scotland. The churchyard of Crail is peculiarly full of interest to the antiquary and even to the moralist. Adjoining the main entrances into the churchyard on the right hand is the stately old tomb of the Lindsays of Werveston, the first of whom purchased the estate 247 years ago. To the east of this tomb, a small enclosed plot where tradi tradition asserts that one more than one occasion, or on more than one occasion, pardon me, the plague was buried. This was done by our superstitious forefathers in the following approved fashion. It was an universal belief with them that the dreadful pestilences which were wont to decimate Scotland had their seat in the air and for the purpose of intercepting the deadly visitor. Large wheaten loaves were raised high upon poles. There's that thing about poles again. Instead of meat, it's pole, uh, bread, which after being so exposed for a length of time, were carefully buried where they should not be disturbed. For the wise people of those days firmly believed that the discoloration of the loaves, much like the meat going black, showed the veritable presence of the pest, which, save for this antidote, would have spread death and ruin amongst the inhabitants. So that sounds similar, right, to the one we heard in, I believe it was Denmark from 1350 for the Black Plague, where they were using, you know, a pole with meat on it, fresh meat, and they would leave it up for like eight days. And if the meat was decayed and blackened, then they knew that the, in their mind, right, that the, the plague was still around. But if it was fresh, then to them that meant it was okay. Well, this place in Scotland, right, it, you see some similarity. Um, their thought was if we put bread, a loaf of bread on a pole and put it up in the air um, and then leave it there for a while, we take it down and then we bury it, that that keeps the plague away, right? The, the pest, the plague. Sounds similar. Um, sorry about the noise there, bumped into something. You see how these things kind of start to like recycle and these tales kind of recycle through time. Um, it's interesting to me to see this, right? Uh, different areas, although I'm well aware of the fact that if we're considering this, right, we've gone from the, the Northern European areas, right? The, what, as I like to say a lot of times in historical reference, the Viking kind of lands, I know that they used to come to this area, right, to, to Scotland, to England, well, maybe not Scotland, I heard, at least as I understand it, they were not so keen on being around the Scots at that time, because they thought, 
these guys are crazy, right? Um, they're really wild warriors. Um, but nonetheless, they came to like England and places like that. So I know that there is a chance that, you know, their stories would have also come with them. Granted, I don't know if those sort of stories would have existed in that time. We were talking about 1350, maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. I'm not that scholarly on my history to know exactly where each of those things was occurring. Nevertheless, it is interesting to see those things kind of repeating uh, and to see how they variate, right? Instead of meat on a pole, it's bread on a pole. Uh, instead of just kind of taking it down, and I'm sure they probably buried it or did something with it, you know, they definitely buried the loaves, right? And this one is some monster, right? This beast. But what they were talking about, right, was the, um, oh, what did they call it? The... Oh, I can't remember now. Oh, that's, I'm sorry, I'm getting my stories mixed up. That was a different one. Uh, anyways, so you see these 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 things that repeat here. Uh, and so I find it interesting. I find it fascinating to see these, these things that happen, how we recycle stories potentially, uh, and how they kind of get altered over time. And again, how we're trying to find something else to blame or some way to fix it with what we know and what we can do. Uh, and so I say that to say, you know what, thank goodness for having vaccines and science. I'm not saying that people always get it right, and I'm not saying that people always do things for the right reasons and not for their own selfish reasons. What I'm saying is I am glad that we have more uh, meaningful knowledge nowadays and more medical ability nowadays than we did then that we just kind of had to, you know, guess, spit to the wind in the east and see what happens, right? I don't know. Take 16 flower petals, throw them in the air, and depending on how they scatter on the ground, you, then you'll know whether the plague is gone, right? It could be anything. Um, again, to reiterate, I don't say these things because I'm particularly picking on anyone's views, but more simply to illustrate the similarities in the psychology of people then and now, and how this, the, the belief may still be the same, the practices may be the same, uh, but our methodologies, well, no, I'm sorry, the methodologies may be the same in some ways, and the psychology behind it, but our beliefs, our ideas, the things we focus on, the, the beasts we create to um, um, throw our blame at may be a little different. But still, we see these things occur. We'll jump from Scotland to, let's see, let's go over to Ireland. Uh, so staying there along the UK, kind of over to the north and west now, uh, if I'm right there. I think Ireland is to the, le uh, to the east, or no, west of the UK mainland. I think, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, anyways, here's one on the Yellow Plague in uh, Ireland, a myth that, was, that arose in that time. Long ago, a disease broke out in this district, and it was called the Yellow Plague. One evening, a priest was crossing the hill reading his office. He was coming from Ardpatrick, going westwards, and as he came near a stream that is flowing through the glen on the western side of the hill, 
he saw on the opposite bank a girl dressed in yellow. She spoke to him and asked him to help her across. He did so, and then the girl said, Do you know to whom you have rendered such service? The priest said he did not, and she said, I am the queen of the yellow plague. He begged her to go back again, and she did. When the people of the other side heard, heard this, they came to the eastern side to live. There are tracks of plots and ditches on the hill, and it is supposed that this is where the people lived when they came to the eastern side of the hill. I got this tale from my father, who lives in the townland of Bornegur, Ardpatrick, sorry if I get that wrong, B-O-H-E-R-N-A-G-O-R-E, and then Ardpatrick, A-R-D-P-A-T-R-I-C-K. Interesting, right? Again, we are animating something and giving it a power greater than itself, right? We are giving it something to point our finger at, something to blame. Um, and here again, right, we see this narrative where we're saying that a person of faith had the power to change that. Now, I think a person of faith could cause something to change, just as someone who is not of faith could cause something to change, right? Um, it's not to say that what we call faith or these things are not there. I think some of the things we call mysteries and mystical, um, are simply things we don't quite understand yet. I mean, we we don't even know our entire planet. We don't know the fullness of everything in the oceans. We certainly don't know everything about what's out in space. Um, our satellites that we sent out long ago, right, are finally the, the furthest they've ever been from humanity, and that's been 44 years in the making, uh, which is like, what, like 9 billion miles or, I don't know, something like that. Nine million, nine billion, billion, I guess. It's way out there. Anyways, the uh, Voyager 1 and 2, I think. Yeah. Anyways, I digress. <laughs> so here again, right, we see some of these similar patterns with these ideas of faith, this uh, idea of something being ethereal but similar that's to blame for these diseases, these plagues that come about. Uh, some of them, it's about doing something, right? A, a pole with meat or bread on it. Some of it, it's about locking yourselves away and praying and keeping distance. Some of it is about a man of faith who just tells this odd thing to go away, right? Or to go to the other side. Uh, some of it, it's people that look like clouds that fly overhead as you see them. And it's a man and a woman talking and deciding where they're going to stop and visit plague. Or a coffin that moves around on its own. Uh, you start to see all these things that happen. So let's jump now back over to the European lands, and we're going to go over to uh, the uh, uh, area of Cornwall, Poland. It is curious that the symbol of the plague should be the same both in Slavonic and Celtic, or Celtic, I'm not sure which one to say there, lands. The tall, gaunt woman in her long, white dress. I remember some 12 years ago, 
a Cornish mining village, being quite disturbed by the story of a tall woman in white, having been seen on the moors, and prophesying to some miners that a pestilence was coming. Fortunately, in a remained, uh, fortunately it remained a mere apparition, the prophecy not being fulfilled. In the Polish tale of the plague, the pestilence appears personified as a tall woman in white garments, with her hair floating about her, and is hunted by dogs. In another Polish variant of the same myth, the plague fixes on the back of a poor peasant whom she compels to carry her like the old man in Sinbad the sailor and forces the wretched fellow to carry her about from place to place. He bears with many a sight of misery which she works. At last, he beholds his native village. He will not carry the plague there, but drowns himself in the pruth or pruth. This evidently is a myth of the carrying of the seeds of infection. Many, many carry the infection to others, even without catching the disease themselves. Now there's another one, right? Um, the idea that uh, people have thought even then that, you know, they didn't have anything, so they were fine as they visited places, not knowing that they were spreading it around. You could be asymptomatic. Now there's something we've heard even with COVID, right? That you could be asymptomatic. Certainly, they say that uh, even with vaccines, you can still get COVID. It's just that you don't get the severe symptoms. It would be more like getting cold or flu, kind of like symptoms. But because of that, people thought, well, I'll take the risk, speaking of COVID-19, uh, because it's probably nothing more than like a cold or flu. And, you know, if I get it, you know, I should be fine. And if you get people who get it and they didn't get severe symptoms, they're very likely to say, oh, it's not that bad. Here's the other thing is if they didn't even know they had COVID, much like these people with the plague, they may go around, no mask, no distancing, thinking everything's fine. I'm fine. Why aren't you fine? But the reality of it is they may very well be carrying the seeds of death the seeds of plague, of infection, just like we see in this story of um, from Cornwall, Poland area with this woman in this tall woman in white. Um, again, personification. Now, here's an interesting one we see from the previous story in this one, is now we see a personified person that is female. The only other time was in the earlier stories, I think from Denmark, of what looked like cloud, but it was two people, a man and a woman, flying overhead, deciding which houses to visit. Now, what's interesting is it is fascinating to me that we are now seeing, um, with increase, a focus of the plague being personified as a woman. And in these last two, exclusively a woman. One as a young woman, right, a, a young girl. The other as an older woman, a more mature woman or whatever. And, and that's interesting to me. Now, given the time frame and knowing how things had been in that time, it's no surprise 
Um, women historically have not been treated well, have not been seen as um, equal. I mean, we still have those issues we face now, right? But in that time, I mean, you couldn't have property, you couldn't vote. There was a lot of things like that going on. Um, you could be, you know, stoned or, or killed at a whim by a man. Um, you couldn't do things that might be in competition of the business of men or whatever, right? But it's interesting that you start to see these things uh, emerge and you start seeing some of these similarities and you start seeing, again, we're trying to blame something for what's happening that we can't explain or we can't seem to do anything about or we're somewhat helpless about. Uh, so that all said, this concludes this one. I hope as you're listening through these, and certainly I hope you've been listening from the beginning one to now, um, I hope that you're starting to see that there is the psychology, the humanity behind this is similar. Because while humans do have uniqueness and can vary in some ways, the psychology, the primal things of humanity seem to stick around, right? Uh, those limbic systems, things, those, uh, those very on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, though, right? Those very basal things are there. And so, uh, you know, I'll leave you for, with that to chew on, but I hope that this is giving you something to think about, something to process, something to look at, um, maybe reassess your own views. Uh, I'm not saying that I'm some guru here, right? So don't get me wrong. I'm simply sharing what I find to be interesting, based on thoughts that came to mind after getting vaccines and seeing QAnon people waiting for a man to appear who'd been dead to bring back a president who was no longer president. Um, and just kind of got me thinking about what's gone on with COVID and the pandemic and conspiracies and blah, 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 blah. Anyways, friends, all of that said, uh, we'll pick up on this on the next episode. Uh, I hope that you're finding these interesting. And I certainly hope this isn't you know, making anyone feel offended if I've addressed something with like crystals or other things that I was talking about. Again, I'm not trying to attack anyone's particular views, just looking at things and trying to find similarities that I have seen in modern times and heard of in modern times versus what we see in those times. So that said, friends, as always, thank you so much for being on this journey with me. Um, thank you so much for tuning in all over the world. Thank you for my huge audience that you are, uh, not just globally, but age-wise, you know, younger than 17 to over 60. Uh, it's crazy. And, and 25 different countries and hopefully growing. Um, I'm thankful for that, friends, and I'm glad to have you here. Um, in the meantime, friends, as always, if you want to support me, uh, you can go to anchor.fm forward slash Joseph, J-O-S-E-P-H hyphen Guzman, G-U-Z-M-A-N hyphen M-A. There you can click that support button and become a monthly supporter for 99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month, and that's in U.S. dollars. Uh, this would be a monthly recurring uh, until you decide you don't want to anymore, which obviously I would appreciate it if you did, but I understand. Uh, the other way is social media. Share this. Share it as a text to your friends. Share the link so that they can listen in. 
And remember, if you're doing social media, please use the hashtag AnythingGoesPodcast. That helps me to get out there more as well. That said, friends, take care of yourselves. Be kind to yourselves. Be kind to one another. We're all going through hard times. We're all going through difficulties in life. We're not always going to get it right. We're not always going to react in the best way. But let's try every moment we can to do better, even if we screw up. And let's have grace when we do screw up as best we can for one another. Uh, do random acts of kindness where you go, whatever you can. Um, stay curious. Stay kind. Always be learning. Always be creating, friends. It's a big world out there, plenty to learn. And I hope that these help you to do that some. Appreciate you, friends, and we'll see you on the next one.